You're listening to the CLE Foodcast with Lisa Sands, the place for delicious conversation on local food and the people who grow, cook, and share it. Here's Lisa. Thanks so much, Bill. I actually recorded this episode a few weeks back, but between the typical holiday preparations and the flu or this wicked RSV virus that's going around, I had no choice but to stop for a minute and take a break. I still don't really sound like myself, but it was important for me to get out this final episode before the end of the year. I recently sat down with Kevin Kane, the general manager of The Marble Room in downtown Cleveland, the most opulent restaurant in the city and an experience everyone should have at least once. You may know that Marble Room Steaks and Raw Bar is housed in the former Grand Lobby of National City Bank in a building that dates back to 1893. You can even have dinner in the old bank vault or in an executive boardroom, in addition to the restaurant's primary space. It was really interesting to be there before the restaurant opened for the day. I was able to take in all of the luxurious decor and watch the staff get ready for a busy Friday night during the holiday season. It really was like an orchestra, and the conductor of that orchestra is none other than Kevin Kane. Kevin has been there almost since the restaurant opened, and he's seen the restaurant through good times and bad. With the end of the year upon us and celebrating on our minds, it seemed like a fitting time to head to a place known for grand celebrations, excellent food, and truly exceptional service. Kevin and the entire team at locally owned Saber Hospitality, who also operate Lockkeepers and Il Venetian, two other exceptional restaurants, have really elevated the definition of fine dining. I talked to Kevin about his own approach to great service and the family background that set him on his path. We discussed how many people impact a dining experience from start to finish. And we also talked about how guests of the Marble Room or any restaurant for that matter should navigate the dicey situation of lodging a complaint. I'm going back to my hot tea and chicken soup and I'm going to leave you to this episode. I hope you like it. Kevin Kane, it is so great to be here in the beautiful space that is the Marble Room. How are you doing today? Life is good. How are you? Life is good. Um, it's sunny out. It's like, I don't know, it feels like May, doesn't it? We're ready for it. Everyone thinks I'm crazy because I run outside in shorts in all December, but today's a good day for it. <laughs> it is, it is. I just drove by the West Side Market and there were a couple of of intrepid Clevelanders wearing shorts. And I was thinking to myself, if this was May, a Saturday in May, and it was going to hit mid-50s, I also might be wearing shorts. But right now my legs aren't in shorts condition. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Fair enough. Well, Kevin, you're at the helm of really, in my opinion, one of Cleveland's top restaurants, a fine dining destination that is enjoyed by locals and visitors and VIPs and celebrities and, 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 and. So my question is, do you just love your job? Absolutely. Um, every day is unique and every day is fun and we get so many humbling experiences. We get to serve our guests from special occasions, anniversaries, birthdays, graduations, sad days, family days. And it's really, it's really an honor and it's really exciting to meet so many amazing people and take care of so many guests here. You really do take care of people, let's say, in their best, in their celebratory, in their, you know gatherings, their family gatherings. I was going to say they're worse, but if you're here, you're doing pretty okay. But like you see people across the spectrum. Um, it's a cross section of 
all types of people, people that come maybe like once a year for a very special occasion. And I'm guessing that you have your regulars that roll in at 5, 5.30, 6 o'clock, you know, after getting out of some of these downtown buildings to your bar. Tell me about that. Tell me who you see here. Yeah, it's a mix of everyone. It's businessmen after the day. It's businesswomen coming after work for meetings, celebrations, birthdays, anniversaries, graduations. It's, uh, it's sometimes it's sad days. It's, you know, we lost a family member last year and we want to have a great celebratory meal to remember them or, you know, somebody's in Cleveland Clinic and not doing well and we want to take them out for an amazing meal or just, you know, it's a date spot. It's a first date spot. It's a third date spot. It's a, it's an amazing place. It's an engagement spot, I bet. Yeah, absolutely. We get a couple a night and we, uh, we do our best to help with the surprises. I can't keep a secret and I'm very bad at working <laughs> surprises. So we let the teammates handle that because I would blow it. That's very self-aware of you to uh, admit. I'm aware, yeah. When there's, you know, when there's someone coming in and we know there's about to be proposal, I, I have to go hide. I can't even look at the look at the man room because I'll laugh or I'll smile or I'll, you know, I'll. I I'll would ruin think it. that is just amazing to be a part of, and the anticipation I think would get to me as well. Right, so it's tough. I'm I'm in uh, I'm in that camp. For people who haven't been here, this this building at uh, what's the at 623 Euclid. That's right. It's it's really the crowning jewel of fine dining, but it's also an amazing ex- example of um, historic preservation of the past. And I guess you would say also redesigning a space with an homage to the past, but also thinking about, I guess, the modern guest that Marble Room, Steaks and Raw Bar wanted to attract. It's such a great blend. I mean, it, it, the, his, the history here, do you feel it on a regular basis? Absolutely. One of our favorite things is being able to talk about the history of the building, give guests a tour. We have private dining rooms in the old bank offices. The old bank vault downstairs is a lush private dining room, so getting to see the safes and everything down there. And almost all of this was preserved from the original 1896 build or the remodel in the 1920s. Although we are modern and we like to be fun, you know, there's so much history in the walls and the ceiling and it really makes for the experience. It's honestly hard for me to keep my eyes on you because I'm looking around. I've been in here many times when it's a packed house. Uh, This is something really special to, I feel like I'm in a museum. I feel like I'm in this you know, like I can just imagine all of the things that have happened here, oh, the sure. stories. So that's really fun. It's it's quiet, though, which is really great for our conversation. But I have to say, the times when I've come here, I guess I lean towards coming here in that celebratory mode. You know, I'm joined by another couple. We really want, you know, we don't care if our dinner lasts two and a half hours. We want a lot of conversation. So I really think the service piece of Marble Room is just as much, if not more important in some ways, as the food. Um, As general manager, you set that tone, I would imagine. Um, Tell me about your point of view about great service and hospitality. Absolutely. You know, hospitality is is the core of what we do. And we look at fine dining, you you said it's sometimes a two or three hour experience, and that's sort of usually associated. Some guests want that, some guests don't. So, you know, last night was Mariah Carey, and we had people we had wanted to be out in an hour, you know. So our job and our team's job is to cater the experience towards the guests. You know, Marble Room is a place where we want people to come, forget about the rest of the world and just whatever they want, whatever they're in the mood for, whatever they're celebrating or toasting or trying to do, we can accommodate that. So we have such an amazing service team and they work with each guest. You know, what are you here for? Are we celebrating? Do you have to make it out by eight o'clock to go to a concert? What can we do and how do we craft this experience to to really make each individual experience personable and and unique? Mm -hmm. We were talking before we, uh, we hit record about hospitality and 
the role of a GM or a role of someone that's a professional uh, hospitality person. There is a, a dedication to service. There is an intuition. There is an idea of being able to read the room, read a face, read an emotion, and and take care of that individual, whatever they need. Can you can you give me an example of, of maybe what you look for or how you, as you walk this beautiful dining room at night and you look around and you see people, you're waving, people know you, you know people, even if you don't know them personally, you've seen them before. How do you take care of people? How does Kevin Kane take care of people? I was born into this industry. I was... I can't say how young I was because it wasn't strictly legal, but working uh, at a restaurant with my father, he's been in the industry his whole life. He just retired a few years ago, Mm. but he believed that working in hospitality meant you had the heart of a servant and that you were here for your guest needs. And that is primarily important. So what we're looking for is everything. We don't want our guests to ever want something. If you want your server or your manager or the team to be engaging and fun, we want to be involved. If you're having a private meeting or a quiet date, we'll back off a little bit. So we want to read each table and each guest to see exactly what you're looking for and make sure that we can provide that. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as fine dining, you know, all the formal steps, we, we do pay really close attention to how we serve we never want to guess water or beverage to be low. We want food quickly and hot and delicious and all that. But, you know, so much about Marble Room is that experience and mm-hmm. how we cater it to each individual each individual guest. Well, and I remember the last time I was here, I have to say, and I, I do have the luxury of being able to eat at a fine dining restaurant several times a year. I, I tend to do it around, like I said, celebratory things or momentous occasions but I remember, I've got to say, in an evening, how many people might touch my experience here in a night, right? Like I'm being greeted and I'm being seated and someone's pouring my water and someone else is coming to, you know, maybe drop a menu. But then that might not be my server. And, you know, and then a lot of times you're making an impression, too, on everybody, at least for a few minutes. How many people might uh, touch a, a guest experience here in a night? Wow. Now, I didn't even say anything about like who's in the back sure. cooking and making my meal. Great question. You know, those are my favorite reviews when guests say that everyone from valet to the host to the server was just, you know, above and beyond making sure they had a great time. So, I mean, starting the experience, you probably speak to a reservationist. You get greeted by valet. You get greeted when you come in by our front door manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, a host seats you. A server assistant brings bread and water. Your server team, which might be two people, uh, you know, guide you through the experience. You might speak to a sommelier. You might, a couple different food runners, the chef bring your food out. You might interact with the managers. It might be 12, 14 people um, all get to interact with. And, and we like we say we get to. It's the privilege that so many people get to interact with our guests and try to leave a great impression. Well, and just hearing that number of people and again, in a space like this that is so well-appointed and exquisite. Your bill is going to reflect all of that. Sure. And that's okay. I'm all for it. Um, I think it's important, especially now, we're making tough choices. Consumers are making tough choices. A lot of us are. Should I do this? Should I not? Uh, let's, let's go a little simple tonight. Let's do this. Let's save, let's save marble room for Valentine's Day. Let's save it for my birthday, like whatever. But I think it's important. I, I just loved what you just said, though. I saw you even counting on your fingers a little bit to make sure you got everybody. I've never everybody. thought of how many people. You know, it's a great, it's a great I, uh, I haven't. I didn't either, but I think about it when I, at the, sort of at the conclusion of experience, when I look around and I think, wow, I didn't have to think about anything and everything was just right. 
And I think the other point I would make about Marble Room is that when guests walk out, that's exactly what you want. You don't want them to be like, well, this or that, or I just, it's seamless. It's seamless. It's an orchestra. Uh, It's a symphony around the table. And uh, that's how I think about it. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about the food experience before we go back into, let's say, what Marble Room represents and, and what the owners have created here. Your chef is great. I, I had the opportunity to meet him many years ago. I think he left and then came back. Sure did. Talk a little bit about how you classify the Marble Room steak and raw bar menu. It's very diverse, so that might be a hard question, but what, how, do you, how do you describe it to people? In a simple term, modern steakhouse and raw bar. Um, there's nothing simple about what these guys do. Chef is amazing. The kitchen team is really incredible. You know, we have, I think it's attention to detail and it's attention to that quality. Right now we have as many people working in the kitchen from 6 a.m. this morning until service starts as we'll work service tonight. Uh, there might be 25 people there right now. And, and again, 20, 25 people working in the back mm. during a busy service. And it takes that many people, the preparation, the consistency, the quality, butchering steaks, fish, getting our sushi chef preparing the rice properly, all that. There's so much that goes into it. Um, you know, we like to have a number of different options. And I I, I love that we have a really excellent vegan option. You know, we're a steakhouse. It's Mm -hmm. a lot of steak, right? Mm -hmm. We know that. We have an amazing, our vegan entree is absolutely incredible. We have a few vegan sushi rolls that are really good. I mean, it's it's so important. Our chicken, our our seafood, our appetizers, and then obviously the steaks, high quality, cooked perfectly. And the raw bar, the sushi, Um, it's really, it's done very, very well here. I mean, you don't have to say, I want to go to a sushi restaurant to get sushi. Your rolls are, I would put them up right up there at the top, you know? Absolutely. And it's sort of, you know, classically steakhouse, chilled seafood, that classic raw bar. So having a world-class sushi chef, uh, Aaron Chen, our chef, you know, making really awesome sushi rolls and nigiri and sashimi. It's really fun. It's sort Mm -hmm. of a, it's a nice alternative. Well, and I don't think you can talk about the marble room without looking um, to my right here, I'm looking at this magnificent bar. It's beautiful just to look at, beautiful to drink at. Tell me about your your bar experience or your bar program. How would you describe it and what's your favorite thing about it? I'm a wine guy. You know, the wine list is my home and I love it. We have an extensive wine list, but what I take a lot of pride in is that we have a lot of wines for everybody. We have world-class wines in every price range and every style and every region. So if you want a classic kind of Napa cab with your steak, of course we have that. But Mm -hmm. if you want to explore and find something unique, we have that as well. Mm -hmm. As far as cocktails, you know, we try to keep a broad array of different liquors, bourbon, this king right now. So a ton of different bourbons and lots of fun options. And then we have a really creative cocktail program. Our managers, uh, really put a lot of time and energy into making amazing custom cocktails. So if a guest wants something custom, sure, we have a great team that can make anything you want, mm-hmm. but our signature cocktail is on the list. We have a couple of classic ones with some, you know, Marble Room twists and then some sort of fun, you know, truffle and Wagyu fat and different fun things oh, in wow. the cocktail that just, uh, you know, we treat it like a kitchen. And, and that's what our, our mm. bar manager, you know, it's just like in the kitchen, it's preparation, it's food handling. You know, we don't, we don't always look at the bar as somewhere, you know, the kitchen, we need to the health code, the health department comes and we have to adhere to health code. The bar is the same way. You know, the way we cut our fruit, the way we prepare our juices, the way we prepare our garnishes, all of that has to be done with the same preparation the kitchen does. And then the recipes. Our cocktails are built with very specific recipes, just like the Mornay sauce that goes into our mac and cheese, the, the mixes that go into our drinks need to be 
measured properly and adhered to that same uh, that same standard. Mm-hmm. I'm looking. I don't know if I've looked up above the bar because usually when I'm walking in, I'm I'm so excited to get to my table and start eating. But I'm looking up above. Um, how many bottles of wine do you keep here? Any idea? Yeah. So we have about 800 different selections. Mm-hmm. Somewhere right now, probably four or five thousand bottles of wine in the restaurant. Wow. Wow. And I would love to see somebody on those. I would love to go up those little steps that go up to those bottles of wine and just stare at them. I'm sitting here looking at you and then I'm looking up at different corners. And actually, I'm always sitting sort of in the uh, the rear part of the restaurant, you know, in one of the booths or the round tables. And I haven't really been up here for a while, probably not since you opened. So I'm just kind of taking note of all these different things. Uh, there's just so many touches to this place. Um, now, I know you didn't open the restaurant, but you came pretty soon after. Has the restaurant evolved over time or has it pretty has it been pretty true to its roots when it opened in I think that was 2017? 2017, that's right. It's evolved tremendously. Um, you know, the core concepts our food, our style, our dedication to guests. That that has never changed. That comes directly from our owners, but you know, the one thing I love about working for Mr. and Mrs. Sanito, they are so open to change. You know, they believe if it's a good, you know, so many people is my way or the highway. We hate my way or the highway. You know, they are so open to let's find ways to make this better. So we're always trying to find more interesting wines, interesting cocktails, interesting food, fun ways to increase service. And, and then, you know, at this point, a lot of my job is just how do we make life easier for the staff? Because if life's easy for the staff, we can focus on our guests. Mm-hmm. And Marble Room is really big. The front door is on Euclid Avenue, and we have private rooms up front. We have here our kitchen. The back of the kitchen is on Short Vincent. Mm-hmm. It's a full city block. So if yeah. you're walking a hot tea from there, it's hard to keep that hot walking one full city block. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we, when we talk about the evolution, it's constantly how do we make service easier? How do we get things to guests quickly? How do we make life easy for our staff? so we can just focus on service, so we can focus on food. Oh, well said. Your perspective is so interesting. You say things, and it just changes the way I think about the experiences I've had here and the, and the maybe the way I'll think about the next experience that I, that I do have here. That's what I love about doing the podcast. Um, I get to indulge myself in asking all these questions because I, I just am curious about these things. Um, and it's a tough profession. So I really admire people that do it. You said before that you thought of it, your dad taught you uh, to think of it as like, a, you know, a servant. Um, what did you say? Servant leadership. Um, that's really important because people are um, difficult. People are varied. Their expectations vary. Their temperaments vary. How do you uh, deal with some of that uh, in your day-to-day? And maybe how do you educate the staff that works for you? I don't like to put everybody in a bucket, but I would say that people that come here know what they like, they're discerning, and that also leads into some service, right? So how do you handle, let's say, oh, I don't know, just a little bit of um, a little challenges with your guests? What's your, what's your perspective? You know, no matter what occasion you're coming in for, expectations are through the roof. We are, thank goodness, very popular. Things have been going great for us. We are busy. We know it's expensive. People hear about it. They see pictures. They hear from their friends. So if you've never been here, your expectations are through the roof. If you come here once a week for a business dinner, your expectations are also through the roof because you expect that level. So, you know, that's what we strive for to to not just meet, but to exceed those expectations. Mm -hmm. Half the time, if somebody is a little bit difficult, we need to feed them. When I'm hungry, I know I'm a monster. We all know that. Um, but 
you know, we, we as a team, we try to put ourselves in our guest shoes. We never know what people are going through. We never know what ourselves are going through. We, our owner used the word grace a lot. So about a, in the last year, she really mm-hmm. wanted us to, we work on grace, grace towards each other, grace towards our guests, grace towards everyone. Um, you never know what someone's going through. So we want to do our best, like we always do, to provide an experience that can make you forget about whatever else is going on in the rest of the world and mm-hmm. enjoy a great atmosphere and great food. And I think when it comes that idea of grace and the true sense of hospitality comes from the top down and people are empowered to do what they need to do. Um, it does reverberate through an entire establishment. And I think you do notice that here. Absolutely. I want to ask you a question. I, I've been wanting to ask this. I maybe I might have asked it to someone I know a little bit better, like Doug Katz or something. But I want to ask you a question about people's, what people should do or how they should approach something being less than at a restaurant. Sure. Not just your restaurant. You can just talk generally or maybe from your own experience. I, I find that when I'm in conversations with people, because not everything's perfect. Not everything is sure. always 100%. I mean, maybe here, Kevin, it is for sure. I mean, I can say that. We, we have our misses. It, yeah, it but happens, you know, well, of it course. Does, it does happen because people are human and circumstances change and there's all kinds of things that, you know, uh, there's always just an off night. But you see a lot of conversation and I don't put a lot of stock into it, but I think it's interesting sort of these foodie forums on Facebook and whatever. Uh, people... Well, social media. We're not even going to tackle that whole topic. But when people, you know, they have this outlet of saying, like, I was here and this happened. And I think there's a lot of us that are just very trained, particularly if we have friends or family in the business, trained or, you know, we want to say, like, hey, you had a window of time to get that fixed. Um, So your inability or your fear of doing that shouldn't be, you know, land on Yelp, right? So my question is, from your perspective, and I really want you to teach right now, when someone's at a restaurant, you can position it if I'm here or if I'm anywhere else, and I want to say something or I want to bring something to the attention, what's the best way to do it? The best way to do it is to do it. I complain. Let us know. We want to be able to fix it. And the Yelp thing is tough. We know that. But nothing nothing upsets us more when a guest leaves and then we found out later that their steak wasn't cooked right or they didn't like their mac and cheese or the cocktail wasn't for them or the wine bottle our sommelier picked out they didn't really love it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. we want the opportunity to fix it and it, it's it's not about comps it's not about free stuff it's about fixing it it's about providing that experience mm-hmm. i want you to leave happy mm-hmm. if, if your steak is not right we will get you a new one and I'll buy it if I have to. Mm-hmm. We'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. If if you didn't love your steak and, hey, you're on the way home, I'll give you one to go. I'll make sure we get you something. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. be respectful. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. our servers do an amazing job. And if your steak's overcooked, it's not the server's fault. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, your service takes long, it's not the host's fault or the chef. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're a team and we do make errors all the time. It happens every day. But let us know. Let mm-hmm. us know what you didn't love. We will fix it. Two things crossed my mind while you were talking. First off is um, I was at a restaurant recently and um, a very intuitive bartender, and it was a nicer establishment, um, just saw me not drinking my cocktail and said, do you like that? I said, you know what? I just really don't. And they fixed me another one. And it was so liberating to be asked, you know, like someone said, like, you're not sucking that down. (laughs) You know, I'm noticing that. And I really appreciated it because, again, we know what things cost. We understand. And you don't want to be seen, or I especially, I know, don't want to be seen as someone that's like just, you know, throwing things away and whatever. So sure. that was that was part number one. Part number two is I was back to thinking about the city block <laughs> from your kitchen to the front. 
A steak could go up in temperature probably um, from that walk, sure. right? So, oh, yeah. I mean, there's a consideration there for the kitchen that I never would have thought of. Oh, yeah. They do not have an easy job. And getting temperatures right, especially, yeah, when we're walking that far, uh, it can be a challenge. That's really it funny. It can be a challenge. Um, one of the reasons that I reached out to you for this what I believe is going to be my last podcast for the year. I feel like it's kind of celebratory, actually. Um, first off, I think this is a celebratory place. Should um, we get some champagne? I mean... It's a little early, but, you know. You know, hey, maybe we'll finish first because then we could get a little silly. But I think a couple of years ago... I, uh, by the way, I'm so thrilled that now I'm, I'm talking about COVID and the pandemic less and less. But there was a time and when this podcast was sort of birthed. We were, we were in the aftermath of it and establishments were changing and morphing and um, restaurants were, you know, setting up on the street, you know, so people could eat outside and all of that. And we made it. Uh, but there was a lot of talk about fine dining, you know, going away. Um, and it, mostly I'm thinking about in like, say, the New York Times and, you know, uh, publications larger, not so much Cleveland. But um, Cleveland fine dining to me is based on a lot of things, sometimes weather, it's the performance of sports teams, certainly the economy, and of course, this little thing called COVID. And I remember, let's say, probably more than 18 months ago now, 20, 24 months ago, you know, it was like, oh, I don't know, fine dining, people aren't going to want it, they're going to want this, they're going to do that. And I, I wasn't really sure. I didn't really buy into it personally, because I think fine dining, you know, you might not need 20 choices, 20 choices might not survive but four or five might, and that's exactly what's happened here. And I think you're, you know, obviously you're one of those. Were you ever worried? You, you guided a staff and a team through that experience. Were you ever concerned that the marble room would change? Yes and no. Um, you know, at, at first the shutdown was, do we have jobs? Will restaurants reopen? Of course. Um, and do we, how do we keep people safe? Reopening was certainly a challenge. And I'll tell you, Marble Room, we were, ex we're extremely fortunate of how big we are. To follow social distancing for us was, I don't want to say easy because it nearly killed us, but <laughs> it, we have so much room. We have private rooms up and downstairs. We have a huge bar. We have so many tables that we could space out. And I think guests felt very safe being here as well, or safer at least. Big ceilings, huge rooms. You know, it, didn't fe it never feels tight and cramped, right? So... Sure. As far as the, the, the physical service, we weren't sure what would happen. When can we seat all our tables again? When can we get rid of these plastic dividers? When can we, you know, go back to, to normal? Um, and, and certainly the idea of what fine dining is, and especially there's been a lot of economic challenges coming out of the pandemic and now, and are guests still going to want this experience and does it exist? And I, I don't think it can go away. I think, you know, we look at fine dining as it's a state of mind. Yes, it's generally formal service and we have excellent formal service but more than anything else it's a dedication to an elevated special experience so mm -hmm. I think people will always want that I certainly do mm -hmm. and I think that places and there's there are many of them in Cleveland that do it excellently will continue to thrive because people want to go out and they want to have those amazing experiences mm -hmm. yeah and for me the folks that I supported during the pandemic were places that I really wanted to make. I wanted to make sure they were there at the end, you know, like not all food is good as in a takeout container, <laughs> no matter, no matter how good the chef is, no matter how good the restaurant is. It's just, it was very, very different. So, uh, I think that's very fascinating. You know, you step out the front door of Marble Room right now though, and you see the construction all around you. I was looking as I was walking down the street, 
People are coming down, the apartments, this stretch of Euclid looks very vibrant. Uh, concerts are back. I mean, it feels really, really great. Do you, are you seeing that? Absolutely. During the week, offices are getting back more and more. So that great downtown weekday feeling is there. Concerts, plays, ball games, um, and just special occasions. People are going out more and it feels a lot more lively. Mm-hmm. I keep on my desk the most amazing letter I've ever received. So we shut down for COVID. We barred our doors. And outside, there's some big old metal bank doors that kind of close up. So the day we took the, the bolts off the doors, about a week before reopening, I find kind of shoved under the metal door envelope. And it was tattered and covered in leaves. And it was a handwritten letter from a couple that met here and got engaged here. And it was, they just wanted to, they said, thank you so much to your staff. We've had so many amazing experiences. I'm so sorry that you guys are shut down. Let us know when you reopen. We'll be there to support. And I I opened that and reopening was frankly terrifying, you know? And I opened that. I said, you know, we're going to be okay. We got it. Still framed on my desk. Oh my gosh. That is really something. (laughs) You just reminded me of plastic dividers. And I just was like, oh, I can't even imagine it in here. But I do remember... Uh, sitting at a, a very intimate sushi restaurant in town um, by a multiple restaurant owner, and and just we were we just were like, no, we're going out, we're going out, and we're doing this. And um, you know, there was this part of part of sitting close to people is for me the experience. Sure. I want to sit at this bar. I love. I in fact, the older I get, when when my husband and I go out, will it has nothing to do with age. It's just. A preference. We love talking to people. I love going up to a bar and I love elbowing in and, you know, just kind of like flagging a, a bartender down. And, and I want that closeness of people. So I really miss that. And um, the plastic dividers were just <laughs> working right. for They're, me. Yeah. So let's just not talk about them sure. anymore. <laughs> I, although I, have, I haven't thrown them away yet because I'm very superstitious. And mm. the day you throw them away is the day you'll need them. So they're still in storage downstairs, but oh we don't look gosh. at them very often. No, let's not look at them at all. Um, what was your path in hospitality? Just, I, I know, well, first off, I did a little sleuthing on you. And, uh, did I see English lit major? That's right. So tell me about that. Tell me why that path, how that changed. Obviously, you said your father was in the, the hospitality industry. Give me a little bit of uh, intel on Kevin Kane. My father raised me in restaurants. My mom raised me to love books. So I've always been a reader, always been a bit of a nerd. I worked in restaurants at, I was 11, washing dishes, you know, uh, learning the trade throughout high school, worked in restaurants and uh, food service. In college, I worked at one of the dining halls and I actually became one of the managers of the dining hall, which was a really cool experience uh, down at OU. <laughs> so I studied English. I, I wanted to go to school. I don't know. I, you know, at one, one point had dreams of being a writer, uh, never wanted to teach. And there's not a ton else you can do with an English degree, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Somebody once told me that an English degree teaches you how to think, and Mm. I I do a lot of writing at work, so I think that it was, you know, a great experience. But working throughout college, and I worked worked 50 hours a week. It was a full-time salary job. Really taught me so much. And it was, you know, a big cafeteria, student Mm -hmm. dining hall production. And it was awesome. Yeah. And graduating, I went to work at, you know, my friend's bar, a a beer market in Barcento on 25th Street. And lived on 25th as a young man and, you know, stayed in the industry forever. I just, I always had a love for it, uh, for for service and for food and wine. And I left there. I got the opportunity to go work with uh, Michael Simon and Mm -hmm. was with him until I got the chance to come over here to Marble Room and have been here since. Amazing. I think you're a great example of the well-roundedness of a lot of uh, people in the industry. Um, I think we do ourselves a disservice. We do a lot of people a disservice when we assume um, that uh, people in the industry, it's 
you know, something they fell into. They just, you know, they didn't want to get out. They, did, they couldn't get out. And we forget. I mean, I've met people that are like, biomedical engineers that were just like, no, you know what, actually, I just really like taking care of people or I like making drinks or whatever. And I also think what you just said is um, to be really good at service means that you're very human, you understand humanity, you understand human traits. So honestly, English literature, I can see it. Absolutely. I can draw that, that connection. What do you see for Marble Room going forward? Is there anything kind of cooking up for 2024 when you ring in the new year, when the team sort of looks back on 23 and looks forward to 24, what will you guys be talking about? What are you thinking about? It's a great question. We have, we have a couple surprises coming, but, okay. um, you know, we do our weekly manager meetings with the owners and the team and our chef. And the first meeting of the year, we sit down, everyone, it's homework throughout the month of December. We to make two lists. One is what we do better this year. Mm. And it's a list of the things that we changed or had a better idea for or made easier or something, a really cool menu item or whatever. And then the second list is goals for the new year. So I have a few and we have a couple of fun things coming. Wine dinners is the big one. Mm. We did a few last year, okay. um, you know, multi-course wine dinners in the vault with different wineries and winemakers. But we really sit down that, that first meeting of the year and kind of these are our goals. Let's, let's put a, a two month, a six month, an eight month plan in place and, and let's make it happen. And you get that from the team. Yeah, absolutely. That's so great because ideas, I think about this when I manage my, my work teams, like ideas can come from anywhere. It's so wrong to just think that they can only come from one person or the top or the person that's got the, you know, right? Like the biggest salary, the biggest title. Uh, it, oftentimes it's from the people that are doing and they're like, why are we doing it this sure, way? Sure. You know, that's so fascinating. Most of my ideas are dumb. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's the team coming up with all the great stuff that's, uh, that's keeping us moving. All right. I'm going to ask a question and then uh, we'll kind of, I know you're getting ready for a, a busy Friday night here in Cleveland. It's going to be a good one, I'm, I'm sure. Um, when Kevin Kane is not here, when Kevin Kane is relaxing, kicking back, first of all, I, I know you're an athlete. I know you run. What do you like to eat? Where do you like to go? Do you want to shout anything out in particular? Maybe a style of food, maybe a, maybe a hangout in town. What would you like to tell me? Absolutely. So I think you mentioned Doug Katz and I would have said Doug Katz's restaurants are uh, absolutely incredible. Yes. I mean, they're the service, the food, the ambiance. They're amazing experiences. So mm-hmm. the other uh, relatively new, Aaliyah in Ohio City. I've been there about four times with uh, my chef in the last like two months. Have not been able to get there. And I, uh, I, I the industry folks I talk to are like, you got to go. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. You know, the bar that the chef is right behind the bar with a wood fired oven and, and cooking right in front of you and the food just doesn't miss. It's absolutely mm. incredible. So we've been going there a lot. Okay, good to know. I'm actually meeting a friend at Zug uh, about 4.30 today. Nice. Fabulous. Uh, and uh, you are absolutely right about that. I'm so excited about his recent announcement. He's a supporter of this podcast. Thanks, Doug. Kevin, I just really appreciate the time. I know that the way Marble Room is, the creation of it is, you know, traces back. It includes the Sanitos. It includes a whole team at Sabre Hospitality. I can't say enough about how great it has been for me. I think it's amazing for the city. I think it's one of those places that when you tell people that are coming to town, like they're coming and, you know, they're coming for a game, they're coming for this, they're whatever. Destination Cleveland, I was just in an event with them last night. And it's all about, right, getting people to come here and see. Um, You know this, you're at the top of the list for people like, you know what, you got to go to Marble Room, you know? And uh, so you're one of the great steakhouses of the United States, in my opinion. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me here. Thanks for being on the CLE Foodcast. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. I can't wait to hear your, see your surprises come to fruition. Perfect. 
The CLE Foodcast is a project of Fork and the Road Productions, and my sound engineer is Bill Connors. Thank you so much for listening. If you have a moment, please subscribe where you get your podcasts. You'll get new content the second it's available. Follow me at CLE Foodcast on Instagram or Facebook for more food adventures. And if you have a moment, please leave a review for me on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I wish you a fabulous end to 2023 and a spectacular start to 2024. And remember, stay hungry, be kind, and always, always set a bigger table.